Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Have you changed? Have you ever been asked that question before? Have you ever been asked that question, have you changed? Or somebody is kind of looking at you like, have you changed, you know, in that sort of tone of voice. You ever been asked that before? Maybe it was a longtime friend or somebody glanced at you one day and the next thing you'd know, you're doing a bit of self-reflection. And on the other side of the coin of this, maybe we're craving the change so desired to ask ourselves of that and we're wondering, maybe we've been aiming for that change. And yet we're wondering how to get there. And it's a question that one spouse or friend or family member may have asked you before, maybe for better or for worse. And actually, we're changing every single day. We're changing some, some way, shape, or form. And to borrow a metaphor from one of our West Virginia streams, we're either rowing upstream or we're swept downstream. Um, but when it comes to our character, there's no such thing as just simply sitting still. So the goal of this series is to kind of, this four-week kind of series is to think more biblically about our spiritual, what does it look like? Be transformed, our spiritual transformation after we've decided to follow Jesus. Because when we decide to follow Jesus and when we follow Jesus, we cannot help but to be transformed, to be made into his image, to be transformed as well. Um, So it's impossible to do that and follow Jesus and not be transformed as well. And this is God's goal for revealing himself through his word so that we can know him, realizing and engaging in his presence in every single day life, everyday life. Um, And so these are habits that hopefully we can be helpful to you um, and so it can help transform our heart and our mind um, because these are days and this is a world, it's really tough, can be very difficult to live into this world. Um, But God calls us and God calls all of his followers to something greater and higher um, and calls calls all of us to something is greater work within himself and to follow Jesus. And so how can we kind of close this gap between, maybe you're asking this question, how can we close this gap between who we really are right now and then where God wants us to be? Uh, So at the very heart of the gospel, when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about when Jesus Christ takes a hold of our life and Lord of our life, we talk that it's transformation. That word is at the very heart, the very center of the gospel. And when you come to know Jesus, when we come to know Christ, and when Christ lives in us, we cannot help but change. We can't help but change. But we wonder, what if I fall back into old habits? What if I don't measure up to God's standards? Well, how can I live into the reality of this being transformed? What is required of me? And then how do I lean into more about Jesus, more of his spirit? What does that look like to me to lean into being transformed? Because of the very core church of what it means to trust and to follow Jesus, this aspect of doing a God doing a transforming work in your life, um, and if it's in your life, and if God's going to do that, the transformation process, and the very core of that is God rebirthing himself, redoing and transforming us at the very heart of the gospel and of God doing that in us as well. Um, if you never trusted Jesus in your life, if you've never fully trusted him, I'm really glad you're here today because Jesus Christ can transform your life. He can do that. He can transform your life. And at the very heart of the gospel is Jesus dying on the cross, being raised to life. And so once what was dead is now alive, and God can do that in this place, in your life, in your heart, 
once was dead and now is alive. And God simply just doesn't make us better people. He makes dead things come alive. He makes dead things come alive. So my, my heart as your pastor in this series is to not look at external circumstances. And they can be downright discouraging. For external circumstances can be a lot of things. Maybe it's your current life situation or maybe it's just the current state of affairs in the world. But I just want to look internally. What does God ask of us, each and every single one of us in this room, including myself, but internal? And could it be that sometimes we have shifted the blame, church? Maybe we've shifted the blame on circumstances or world events or, or et cetera, rather than the change that comes by His Spirit of God through us, through you and through me. It's no secret that all of us have been some, through some very hard stuff the last several years. There's no question about that. And I know it spans beyond that. We've all been through some very difficult things, external circumstances that we simply just cannot change. We cannot change. But what would it look like, church? Just allow me to dream for a second. Allow us to dream together. What would it look like for every single person in this church to experience transformation, <laughs> What would it look like for every person in this church to experience this? To live open-handed to the God's Spirit and to, over the next just several weeks, look at this, open ourselves to God and His Spirit to be open to this gospel transformation. To look at ourselves and sometimes think, we sometimes think like, even right now, we sometimes think like this series would be great for blank, <laughs> if you know what I mean. We sometimes think like, man, this series would be really great for this person to hear. What about us? <laughs> what about me? And I always ask myself this too, like this is German, sermons and scriptures are just as much for me as they are for you. What if we, myself included, took hold of this transformation possible for all of us, and then that transformation of what God can do transformed culture around us. And I know for certain we could all look toward culture or something different. We could always look towards something else or something different rather than the transformation that only happens by Jesus and by his Holy Spirit, only through us. Amen? Only through the church. So I've referenced this book before, but this is a book that was gifted to me by our district when I was ordained. It's called Your God is Too Safe by Mark Buchanan. It's a book that we have, uh, it's a book, a great book, great read, and it's sometimes a church how we're sometimes stuck in borderland. Um, it's, it's stuck in this kind of borderland of Christian living, right? There's this sense of weariness, and tiredness that spreads itself over and over again. And there's this temp and he says in this book, like there's this temptation to sleep when we're called to pray, to, to wield a sword when we should bear crosses, to go shopping when we should be fighting for, for the Lord, and to either boast or gripe about what is to be a gift and to be loose-lipped with others' secrets, but yet tight-lipped about God's good news. Sometimes we're sort of in the mix of that. And sometimes we, we truly... We have a desire to know God, and that's in the kind of we lack this personal, deep intimacy with Him. And then sometimes we just dread God. And we keep God at a distance. Like, that's, that's okay. Like, I'm, I'm good. Like, keep Him sort of an arm's length. Like, God, you can kind of stay over here, but yet I want to be here. And yet, we're all across the scriptures. We are met with a God who is intensely powerful, intensely fierce intensely personal. Notice the storm-stirring powers of God from the book of Exodus. Read this. When the people of God saw the thunder and lightning and heard the what? Trumpet and saw the what? 
The mountain and smoke, they trembled in fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we'll listen, but don't have God speak to us or we will die. This is the voice of God. The presence of God holds a great reverence and fear. Yet, But why do we often hide from it? Why is it that we often hide from this transforming power and presence? Why is it that we sort of retreat, kind of back off of this a little bit? Why is that so? Why is that sort of we back away from that as transforming power? What keeps us from that, church? Notice at the very, be- I don't, the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, it's a very open invitation. Jesus says, and the very heart, the very heart of God through his son Jesus is a very invitation. This is at the heart of Jesus and the heart of his start of his ministry. It says, come follow me and I will make you mis- uh, fishers of men. You see, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men in Matthew 4. In this context, Jesus is calling out two people who were right in the middle of their occupation, right doing what they were doing in their line of work, And I imagine if Jesus was walking on the side of the road and he came up to one of us and asked you that, we would probably be asking some harder questions. If it's 2022, Jesus came up to you and said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. We we would sort of ask a little bit more questions, right? We probably would ask, Jesus, what's the pay? Follow you where, Lord? Lord, did you make hotel arrangements? Uh, God, did you purchase cancellation insurance and travel insurance? (laughs) What am I supposed to pack? What am I supposed to wear? What am I supposed to, how long am I going to be at this thing? How how long is this going to go, God? How long? You see, we have the invitation, church, to accept or to ignore that invitation to follow Jesus. Jesus invites us into this Christian life and life with him. And we can sometimes, church, let the kind of slip in. Like kind of follow Jesus. Like kind of follow, somewhat follow Jesus. Kind of let that slip in. But church, there is no transformation in life that happens apart from following Jesus. Can I say that again? There is no transformation in life that happens apart from following Jesus. The invitation to a life of transformation happens when we accept this invitation to follow him, to literally follow him wherever we go. And the invitation to the life of transformation happens with this. And here's the good news to this, right? Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Here's the really good news. There is no pre-qualifier to this. Jesus doesn't say, if you've got all of your theology together, if you have your life together, if you have all of your relationships together, if you have all of your finances together, you can kind of go down the list and see some from qualifiers. Jesus just says, follow me. He says, come follow me. He invites us into that. So all of that, and he says, all of that will be taken care of. All of it will be taken care of as you follow me, as you seek me, and as you find me. All of that's going to take care of itself. Because in the call to follow Jesus is having Jesus be the chief relationship that defines and then directs all the other relationships in life. That is the key marker of the relationship. It is placing Jesus Christ first above all else as the top priority of our relationships, and then all of the other relationships will be guided behind that. All of this in the aspect of our life, and as it trickles down, it will trickle down to all of the other relationships in the Christian life. So we are going to go to a couple different places today, but here's some guiding, kind of a guiding scripture for us this morning. It's in the book of Romans. Romans, if you want to go there, and if you want to open up your Bible in front of you, you can do that. It is on page 803 of the Bible in front of you. 
Uh, if you would like there, Romans chapter 12, it's also going to be on the screen behind me. Um, but we at this church, we value this book, the scriptures, so the Bible, and uh, we pray that we value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. And I pray that you would find a church that does the same exact thing, that does preach and teach the scriptures faithfully. And we are in Romans chapter 12, reading verses 1 through 2. It goes like this. Why don't we read this together? How about we read this together out loud together? says this, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. And as I was reading that, I was going to ask you to, to, to fill in the blank there. And I'm like, you already were saying that. Um, so that's good. Thank you. Um, Romans 12, 1 through 2. So as we look at this, so, so Romans 12, 1 through 2, kind of guiding us as, as a kind of a guide to this, right? To this transformation. Um, this is sort of the big picture. If you've never been here or if you've sort of like kind of wondering about this, um, a big picture gives a little bit of an overview. So we, we talk about this, this book, Romans chapter, this is chapter and there's two verses to give you a little bit of a picture as to what this is going on to the context of this passage, where this happens in the Bible. So big picture of Romans, this majority of your New Testament is written by a guy named the Apostle Paul. And Paul was a leader in the early church and he was a pioneer as a missionary and he had a very shady and very broken past before coming to know Jesus. He had a pretty broken, he was, he was uh, he, he just had this really checkered past and he became a Christian and he was a, formerly a persecutor of Christians, became, becomes this great missionary force in Christianity, helps to further the spread of the gospel after being converted and then God gets a hold of his heart. And this is the guy who's writing the book of Romans and a guy who would experience transformation that's available to all of us through the power of the Spirit. And Paul becomes this missionary traveling all over the ancient world and then this communities of faith. So what happened was he uh, became, God got a hold of his heart and he started traveling all across the ancient Near East and the Mediterranean world at the time. He traveled and then all of a sudden communities of faith would begin to form and they were called churches and they started to pop up. And then Paul writes letters to answer some questions, to build faith and to address certain needs in the community. So this is the book of Romans. Um, this is the book of Romans. And so it goes, but it, let's go to this. It goes like this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's what? Mercy. And sometimes, church, therefore I urge you. He's urging them. Now, notice that word. I urge you, church, in view of God's mercy. Can you hear Paul saying this to this church? I urge you, in view of God's mercy, and yet sometimes many of us struggle with this syndrome. It is what it is, syndrome. We see this, right? We read these passages, we're hearing this, we read this, right? And we're struggling with this, it is what it is syndrome, right? These are, we read these passages about being transformed, about the Apostle Paul, God gets a hold of his heart and he gets transformed and we read this passage and we're like keeping it at arm's length and we're sort of skeptical about this and we read about being made in the image of Christ and then before even, even submitting to that, we just say, it is what it is in my life. It is what it is. Maybe it's a circumstance or a family dynamic. Maybe we're just stuck and we just relegate ourselves to say, you know what, it just is what it is. 
Real transformation, we think, is like really far out of reach in, in our heart and life. And we just say, we simply just give up before we even submit to it. And we give up and give in. But church, I am convinced that God's mercy and power are far greater and far more powerful than any circumstance. Can I say that again? I am convinced that God's mercy and power is far greater and far more powerful than any other circumstance. Can I get an amen to that? Thank you. Paul wouldn't accept this. He wouldn't say, he wouldn't accept it is what it is. It is what it is. Because God's saving power and his mercy just far too great to leave us where we are. That is God's saving power and God's saving mercy. The good news of the gospel is that it makes things happen. There's great movement to the gospel because it functions and it moves in us. And it's not just simply something static and not just simply belief, but it's movement and there's action and there's transformation that occurs. And God's power and might are simply too great for God to leave us where we are and to simply just throw in the towel before we even start. Because I'm convinced that God's power is just bigger than that. And if we've never trusted Jesus, we can look at this with skepticism from the outside looking in. And we wonder if this is like really correct what it's up to be. And there's this like danger that if we've trusted Jesus for a long time and we've lacked the continual transformation, we can just get stuck in the is what it is syndrome. My life, my circumstance, my heart, it just is what it is. It's a sheer act of mercy that God would invite us into this full and vibrant life with Jesus. And it is totally because of God reaching down and sending his one and only son, Jesus, that we might be able to live this life. And that itself is worthy of worship. That itself is worthy of worship because of God's sheer mercy, not giving us what we deserve, and then withholding from us what we did. We can live into the power of the resurrection. We can live into that. Always. And notice the, notice the next part. Offer our bodies living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Next part. That it's not just our heart, but it is our bodies to represent Jesus Christ as living sacrifice, present to God as living sacrifices. And we look toward Jesus as the one who gave himself for us. And you might be thinking, man, why would God be interested in that? I mean, my body, I mean, even this, like yesterday, I tripped over... <laughs> going down the stairs from outside of my front porch and I tripped over a flower pot and now I'm sore this morning. My knee is sore because of that. And you're thinking, man, why? my body, my, it's achy. It's, I'm awkward. I'm nearsighted. I'm kind of hard of hearing and stiff and brittle. <laughs> you're like, what? <laughs> you know? But we offer ourselves as acts of worship. What, how we do it, what we do it. Honoring God with our whole selves. It's a response to God and God's faithfulness in our life and worship. He desires our full selves to be models of mercy. When we decide to follow Jesus, we do so. We walk as acts of mercy. We walk into this and we walk as models and to be models of mercy to other people. We do this and it's so important. Spiritual life is a daily walk. God wants us to be visible, to be lived out, to be bodily evidence that our lives are acts of mercy to other people. Because in the call to follow is an invitation to be a part of his mission of the world to reach people. And there's this connection that connects with what we do, with what we believe. So living acts of worship as we trust and follow Jesus, as we trust and follow him, will become like Jesus and will do what Jesus did. And this type of living is available to every single person, everybody who accepts and follows Jesus into their life. This part of spiritual, spiritual inward transformation 
as the heart and soul and mind of every single individual here today. Even if you've never trusted Jesus before or on the doorstep of it, it is available to you. Because God is a God of new beginnings, new mercies, new ways of thinking, everything. A God of transformation. This is the God whom we serve. He is a God who transforms us. Um, Paul, this guy who wrote this letter of the book of Romans, also wrote a letter to the church in Corinth. And he says this in chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if who? Anybody is in Christ. He is a new what? Creation. The old things passed away. Behold what? New things have come. That's what God says about you. And far too often the world wants us to think otherwise. Or maybe you're like, I'm too far deep within the redeeming arms of God. God's forgotten about me. God says you're a new creation. God says you are a new creation. That there is something living in you. That God does this in your life. You are a new creation, a new person living in the power of the resurrection. That God says this about you. God says that you are, you are this, and yet sometimes the world wants us to think that we are something that we're not, and yet perhaps you're hearing that verse, and you hear like, God, you're a new creation, and you're hearing, you're like, and you're saying, and something inside of you is saying, man, it just is what it is in my life. Maybe you're, today you're riddled with defeat. Maybe when the relationship went sour. Maybe when the feelings of futility come flooding in, or maybe when it feels like life is just passing you by. Or it seems as though our one shot of significance slipped through our fingertips or we can't seem to sort out our emotions when the longtime friend lets us down, when a family member betrays us, when we feel deeply misunderstood, when we are laughed at by the impressive, in short, when the fallenness of the world closes in on all of us and makes us want to throw in the towel, there and right there, we have a friend who knows exactly what testing feels like and sits close to us and embraces us and says, you are a new creation. The old thing is gone, the new thing is here, and embraces us. And maybe for you this morning, you are, you are sitting here, and you're sitting here in that, and you've got one label across your life, and it's failure. You've got a label across your life, and it says failure. And failure certainly is not popular. Maybe you're feeling that this morning, feeling that failure. In fact, there's a museum in Norton, Kansas, that's dedicated to the perpetuating the memories of defeated candidates for office of the President of the United States. <laughs> Ask any his failure. Ask any candidate who's lost an election or a coach with an 0-7 record or a person who started his own business and now is at ruinous cost to so the person recently divorced. It's, it isn't easy. It's hard. And we all live with this. And regardless of who we are, we all feel let down at times. And sometimes it's our upbringing or a certain person or a label that's been unfairly placed on us. Peter was a disciple and Jesus knew him and believed in him. Peter was a disciple of Jesus and tripped up and failed his master and Jesus, and Jesus believed in him. And so in the gospel accounts, there's a story of Peter who insists that he's like, I'm going to go everywhere with you, Lord. I will follow you everywhere. I go everywhere with, with you. Nothing will ever make me feel like a worthless failure, he announces. And Jesus quietly replies before the crowd, the sort of sound of the rooster crows sifting unexpectedly. And a girl who walked in on the high priest's house quizzes Peter about being a follower of Jesus, about being a follower of Jesus, about being a, about being a follower of the prisoner inside. And Peter 
her, uh, heatedly and repeatedly denies any association about being with Jesus. And then the rooster crows, and Jesus is let out, and Peter sees Jesus' look, and a sense of being a worthless failure suddenly overwhelms him. And he rushes out, leans his head in his hands, and weeps. And you know the feeling about that. And Jesus doesn't see his followers that way. He sees the potential in all of us and in others. And we are better for that. And we are better for that. Notice the second verse of Romans chapter 12. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this what? World, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good is pleasing and perfect will. You know that God's will for you is good, pleasing, and perfect. Good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. And there's this statement like, there's this don't do this statement, don't conform to the pattern of this world statement. But then there's this statement like, do this statement. So let's be mobilized not on what we see or what we read on the news or what we read on social media by what someone said or what someone didn't say, but what would it look like, church, to be so transformed by the renewing of our mind through the power of the Spirit, by not what the world says we're, who we are, but who God says we're supposed to be? What would it look like to be transformed by the renewing of the Holy Spirit, that's the world, but not by what the world says, but whom God says we are? What would it look like to have joy-filled, spirit-filled missionaries in this room renewed by the only one person? And the only way to be renewed is through Jesus and by his Holy Spirit. Notice Paul's words here, the renewing of your mind and my mind. The only way renewal happens is through our mind, is through our mind. Oftentimes, our mind plays games on us and plays tricks on us and causes us to get swayed, or various opinions tend to sway us in one way or another, and be transformed continually in that sense, continuously be transformed by the renewing of your mind, because we have an adversary, an enemy who literally wants nothing to do with you or being a Christian, and wants everything to do with trying to grab hold of your mind and to try to sway us, and there's a battle of our mind going on, and if he can attack your mind, he can assuredly attack all the other parts of us as well. And then our identities and about who we are. There's another little story. It's about a rebirth that happens on the onset of what Jesus' ministry. And this happens the very start of this. This is the Gospel of John. In chapter 3, there's a man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And in chapter 3, verse 1, we're told that he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and Pharisees were very religious people who knew the Scriptures inside and out. Yet it's Jesus who directly, if you ever read the gospel accounts in his ministry, you know that Jesus always confronts these people, and these people are always at odds with him. Interestingly enough, the Pharisees were even very religious of the day and knew the Scriptures, yet Jesus was trying to kind of turn his way of thinking upside down on them so that they would fully trust him and fully follow Jesus. And Jesus, what he does is his whole new kingdom is completely different from what, and their challenges, their line of thinking. And yet Jesus is challenging them. And in verse two, in John chapter three, verse three, well, starting in verse three, as I turn there, this is what it says. Verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are what? Born again. How can someone, and Nicodemus kind of answers in this, and I, 
I sense as though like Jesus kind of cuts them off here, but it says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And then Nicodemus says, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely they cannot enter the second time into the mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they're born of water and born of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And you should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases and you hear its wind and you hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. And so it is with everybody born of the Spirit of God. So sometimes, church, and even in this story, when, I'm ta- when we hear about Nicodemus and we're talking about being born again and reborn and the uh, birth and rebirth and, and the Spirit of God, sometimes, church, we can also fool ourselves into believing that we are good enough without being born again. That sometimes we sort of trick ourselves into thinking, we don't have to be born. We don't have to be reborn into this. You see, Jesus says that no one can see the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. And the kingdom is about God's rule and God's reign here on earth even now, right in 2022 here in Union Township. And yes, if, if you aren't born again, and then heaven will not be a reality for you someday. If you're not born again, if you don't accept Jesus Christ into your life. But we can be spiritually blinded to the world around us. We can be very spiritually blinded to the world around us. And seeing others through the lens of God and God's kingdom, which is always at work. God's kingdom is always advancing and always at work. And sometimes we can be blind to that a little bit. We can be blind because we're not born again. We're not renewed or refreshed as well. And sometimes we miss out on kingdom happenings. We can get clouded or jaded into thinking that God's kingdom isn't at work. But this is a daily of being transformed and being renewed. An ongoing process by which we have to have the Spirit of God transform our heart and mind. And the kingdom people are people who see their neighbors and see lost people through the lens of God's saving grace through the lens of the kingdom of God. We can see Newcastle as an opportunity to live into the reality of people from the gospel of the kingdom, of the advancement of the God's mission and through the, and through the gospel and through the, the eyes of Jesus and the eyes of his kingdom. When we live that out and we are renewed and transformed, we can see other people through the lens of God's saving power and of work. That God can do that power even in your life, even now, even in our town. And we can see it as an opportunity to live into this reality the advancement of God's mission and God's purposes in our world around us. And it starts with saying no to the world's eyes and saying yes to Jesus. It starts with saying no to the world's eyes and yes to Jesus and yes to his spirit with us. So why is this? Like, why don't, why don't we pursue transformation? Why, why not? This is kind of like a couple of things. This is author Ed Stetzer. He adds these things that kind of can seem to get out of the way when we talk about this train. Why don't we do this? Well, number one, sometimes people are just stubborn, the stubbornness of people. And I notice when I take a toy out of a toddler's hand, they don't like it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be getting to that here very shortly. I know that. We don't like that. Number two, sometimes we just feel trapped. Like, Lacking a desire, maybe we lack a desire to give things up because we just don't want to change. We don't want to change the way things are going or behaviors or habits to fully follow Jesus Christ. Number three, we are comfortable sometimes, too comfortable. 
And sometimes we ask, man, if it's not broke, why fix it, right? Or I'm good, nothing needs to change. But even though deep down, man, we are living a life that we're walking in emptiness, we're just walking through emptiness at this point. But we know something needs to change. And we sort of like, oh, it's, it's not broke, why fix it? Number four, sometimes fear. Um, fear of the unknown. Maybe we're a little bit of fear of like, okay, if I, do, if I do this, if I trust myself to follow Jesus, if I trust myself to this, you know, it's an unknown future. I may not know exactly what this future holds yet, and we sometimes are trapped with fear with that as well. And sometimes, number five, is that sometimes change can often hurt. And what I mean is that when you follow Jesus, um, he will never lead you to places of hurt. But oftentimes, when we fully, when we, sometimes it's a cost to follow Jesus. Sometimes we get, sometimes for our families, it's it maybe the only one in your family to follow Jesus. And sometimes, you know, relationships suffer. And sometimes you know that there's something in your life that needs to be cut out. And sometimes that can often hurt as well. So the question is this, church. The question is this for you. Will you? Will you? Will you take hold of the life of the good life that God wants. Will you embrace that? Will you embrace that kind of life or will you resist it? Will you embrace the life and the good life, the, the, the newness of life that God wants for you or will you embrace or will you resist? God wants to do a great work through every person here in this room. Do you believe that? Amen? God wants to do a rebirth, renewal of your mind. Renew, and it's good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. And it begins right here with these people in Union Township in this church this day. Amen? Worship team, will you come up here as we sing one song together?